It's time for Sports Wrap on 760 WJR. All right, this is the wrap on 760 WJR. To a car phone we go. Dave, thanks for hanging on. You're on 760. Gentlemen, and Stephen Dan, you got the chemistry. It's cooking. Presented by FanDuel. Download the FanDuel Sports app today. FanDuel, more ways to win. Are you calling us from your office? I'm doing Sports Center tonight. With, Are you uh, really? Dan Patrick. Well, yes. I'm very impressed. By the way, give Dan our best. He's a good man. And, I will. Uh, hey, uh, hey, Dan. Chuck Swirsky says hi. This is the best sports rap has ever been, in my opinion. Now, here's your host, Chris Renwick. I just feel like there is no better name in motorsports than Will Power. Isn't that just like, it just screams, just screams racing. Uh, Shout out Will Power holding off Alexander Rossi to win the Detroit Grand Prix on Belle Isle. Uh, and, And look, Will Power had a, a really nice race today. I mean, he, he put together a pretty complete performance in what will be the last Detroit Grand Prix on Belle Isle returns to the streets of downtown Detroit next year. Um, and, and it didn't really feel like Will was in any, um, any real danger of losing that thing. Uh, he what led by almost 16 seconds. Uh, with about 19 laps to go. Um, so uh, another big win for Team Penske. Another big win for, for Chevy. And look, Alexander Rossi's no joke. He's an Andretti driver. I mean, it, it, the the field was just so good. I mean, that that is a really good, a really good field. And and you got to credit Will Power. Nice job by, by him, his team. And Team Penske uh, for for winning that last thing on Belle Isle. I think that's that's really cool. So that's kind of the the uh, the the latest out of racing for you this afternoon. We we've been talking a lot about the Tigers the last couple of weeks and and trying to diagnose what's been going on. Last week, Jason told us last Sunday, I believe it was ten. Excuse me, of the 10 batters that took at bats last Sunday, seven had averages below 200. Completely unacceptable. Now, we've brought those up a little bit, Jason, since last week. <laughs> and, and, it, and it feels like, I mean, you look at their last 11 games. And I'm only, I only say that because of the, the, the last three series. Yankees, Twins, um... And, and Guardians. They're six and five after they got swept by the Yankees the last few days. But they take four or five from Minnesota. And I think that Minnesota series, people started feeling like, all right, you're in, you've dug yourself quite a hole. But you hope that you're starting to turn the corner a little bit. You're starting to put together competent at bats. Your starting pitching, as look as confusing as it is, you're dealing with what four or your five starters injured at some point or another, and you're you're you're, you're kind of piecemealing the order as you go, and and they've done a really nice job. So with all of the the circumstances and all of the, the 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 things that are stacked in the deck against you. I think after that twin series, people were starting to feel like something was turning. The tide was starting to turn. 
But then you're looking at a Yankee team who's now 39 and 15, best start at the at the the one third mark in over 20 years, and it just feel like they it just felt like they couldn't compete, could not compete with the Yanks. They get they get beat a few days ago, 13 to nothing, three nothing yesterday, five four today. So I you know again it's it's one of those things where it this is a long process. And they've just, it, it, Jason, I think the real daunting thing for this team going forward is that they've just dug themselves into such a huge hole that it's going to be, it, it's going to be darn near impossible to get out of it. It's going to be darn near impossible to get to 500, as they said, at 21 and 33. Oh, yeah. It's, they're 12 games under now. So it's, yeah. After the twin series, you did feel good because they were, Actually, they they were patient at the plate. They played some some good defense, and as we saw in the Yankee series, especially today in the eighth, with the two errors they committed, that all went out the window. And not to mention between Friday and Saturday, and Garrett Cole pitched Friday, so it's a little understandable. He's a great sure. pitcher, but four hits in two days, uh, three on Friday. I believe they were no hit through seven. His pitch got yeah. that high, but yeah, uh, four hits through two days. They they hit uh, eight hits today, um, but just the 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 uh, the errors in the eighth inning they gave it away and then they ended up losing it in the tenth. Uh, yeah, it's a tough one today. They could have salvaged one. That would have been nice. Would have been nice. I mean, I don't know that it really. I, I, I mean, you, I don't know that it really matters to be honest. Like you look at yeah, Friday's game true. and it was just a, it was a bloodbath. Um, and then even losing thirteen nothing is bad enough. Coming back the next day and and getting blanked again it's a tough pill to swallow. And so look, I gotta be honest. I don't, I don't have the answers to this team. Like, I, I don't know. I feel like I'm a, I've just been beaten down. Like I, I don't have the answers. It, 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 the, the, the problems on a game in and game out basis, the problems don't exist on the mound. Like, sure. There are blemishes. Sure. They've get, they get roughed up from time to time, but but overall, like take out that thirteen to nothing. It's it's not that the that they're losing the games on the mound. It's not that that their that their pitching staff is is woefully inadequate. They just haven't been able to hit the ball very well, and they haven't been able to hit the ball consistently very well. And that's been a huge issue. Now, you look at the twin series, and that's where I think it was. I don't know if it's smoke and mirrors, but that's when people started going, "Oh, okay." You put up seven, you put up, you put up a couple, you put up four, five. And it just felt like, oh, okay, well, they, they, they're going to figure this thing out. And, and then you get blanked back to back um, in the Bronx. And it's just a tough pill as well. So I don't, I don't have the answer. I don't, I don't know what the answer is for this team. I, I don't you, know what they need. The only answer really is to, to put bodies where, where, where they can't put bodies. You know, pitching staff is, of course, Tarek Scoople. I mean, is just having a career season. And then after that, you just piece it together and just hope that you can stay competitive in these games. You know, I had an interesting conversation uh, preseason about who the ace would be on this team. If it was going to be Casey Mize or Tarek Skubal. And I, I, I gave the nod to Mize, but my goodness, I mean, Tarek Skubal is having a year. And good for him. I mean, he, he just looks good. He's obviously put in the work and it is sorely needed on this team. 
Um, we're going to do a little Lions coming back because I've got an interesting question about one in one player in particular. And I want to know if you agree with me. More as Sports Rapid continues here on WJR. Don't go anywhere. Now back to more Sports Rap. Presented by FanDuel. Download the FanDuel Sports app today. FanDuel, more ways to win. Here's Chris Renwick. All right, so as as we're, we're starting to hear more and more reports out of Lions OTAs. And and I think the the main message that we're hearing is that Jared Goff is developing chemistry with a couple of, of receivers. Uh, specifically Josh Reynolds and DJ Shark. Which is good because when I told you around draft time, this receiving core has greatly improved. I think it went from a liability, especially early uh, in la- during last season, became better later with the emergence of Amon Ross St. Brown and kind of the season he ended with. But they've gotten better. They've gotten better. I mean, the, the addition of DJ Shark makes them better. Obviously, Jamison Williams, whenever he gets back, will make them better. Josh Reynolds is like a third. Like, he's just... Like, he's the complimentary guy that you can rotate in in certain positions, in certain situations, and he'll catch you a few balls. So the the, the idea that they are gaining chemistry is a good thing. Um, But I, I, I was reading some of these reports, and, and I was thinking about if there's one guy, one guy on this team that needs to have a year, if there's one guy that needs to really come out and perform and 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 show out, who is that guy? Because I, for me, it's very it's very simple, and it's it's in my mind pretty obvious. Jason, do you do you have have thoughts on who that guy is? Uh, I would say uh, Okuda. Okay. Uh, ha, ha, yes, it's Jeff Okuda. Because and to me, that's it's obvious. He had such a a, a really bad rookie year. Uh, he didn't play last year, did he? So, going back to his rookie season in twenty twenty, remember drafted third overall. Going back to twenty twenty, got hurt midway through the season ish. Didn't play the rest of the year. Last year, played in the first game, fourth quarter against San Francisco. Uh, tears his ACL out for the season. That's right. Okay. So he played three quarters. And 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 again, I don't know at this point that Jeff Okuda will ever live up to that draft pick. It's one of the reasons why I don't think you draft a corner in the top three, but here we are. And I I, I don't think he'll ever live up to that. So I think we got to move past that. If there is a guy that I think could help this team the most, it's Jeff Okuda. And and not from necessarily the position, not from necessarily a skill point, but the fact that you've got a guy who flashed at Ohio State, a guy that, that you drafted at number three overall, knowing that he's athletic, knowing that he's a a that he can go up, break a pass up or two, 
and and play solid in coverage. And we haven't seen it partly because early on in his rookie year in 2020, he wasn't very good. And then he got hurt and then he got hurt all last year and wasn't able to play. So we just haven't seen enough. And I don't think you write a guy like that off yet, but I think at this point, it's one of those situations where it's a make or break situation with Jeff Okuda. I think if, if there's one guy on this roster that would make them better, Jeff Okuda showing up and being a, a, a able to participate and then playing at a, I guess I hesitate to say high level because I think that's unrealistic, but playing competently, being in the, in the, in the two deep week in and week out, I think that helps this team. And again, I'm not even talking about Ada Hutchinson or, or, or James, none of those guys. I'm talking about guys you've got in this roster that can make you better that you just haven't been able to use. And Jeff Okuda is the guy. And, and it sounds like according to, uh, a story on ESPN, the Lions say that they're confident that Okuda will be ready for training camp, which is good news. Um, Dan Campbell says, we're not worried about Jeff's movement skills. You watch him, his footwork. Uh, he can do all that. But the important thing right now is continuing his mental growth to get the walkthrough reps, the film study. Those are the things that we need from him right now. So hopefully, hopefully those things are underway because I think if Jeff Okuda comes, comes in to training camp ready to go and then if he's able to kind of seamlessly move himself in uh, to me, I, I think that that's, that's a real plus for this team. Real plus. So we'll see. I, I don't know. I, I, it's hard to have expectations um, for Jeff Okuda, not only coming off the injury, but then at the same time, again, what is he able to do? We just because we just really haven't seen it. 800-859-0957, 800-859-0WJR. Uh, Greg's in Shelby Township. He's on the phone. What's up, Greg? Hey, C Note and uh, our Jason, oh, Mr. Positive. Hey, you've got a lot of great topics going on here. The Tigers, well, what can you say? Error after error, when it really means something, they can't come through. Now, you're talking about the Detroit Lions, the most important. Wouldn't it be... Um, uh, Mr. Uh, Goff, uh, Jared Goff, because he is the quarterback. He is the the brains. He's the one that's behind the uh, center, calling the plays. There it is. Chris uh, Renwick's going out for a pass. I got to be spot on. Does he have the ability to become the next Matt Stafford? Well, no, <laughs> no, no, no. To the, an- the 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 last part of your question, no. Okay. I- I I, I don't, I don't think that, I I think that there's a ceiling with Jared Goff. Like, I think he is what he is, right? Like, I don't think Jared Goff is going to throw for 4,000 yards. Jared Goff isn't going to go to get you, you know, a, a, a three to one touchdown to interception ratio. Like those things are unrealistic. So no, I, I, Yes, I think if if Jared Goff plays above our expectations, that's a good thing. 
but from a from a from the standpoint of who can make you better right now if they step up, it's Jeff Okuda. Only because we we don't know really what Jeff Okuda is. And because he's coming off an injury and this is a make or break it situation for him. Like we're we're in we're entering a situation, and I'm not saying that we do it that, that, that this is something that you do now, but you gotta you gotta fish or cut bait, right? And and it just feels like this is a very important year for Jeff Okuda. It's a really important year. But I look, I, 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 I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna argue with you about Jared Goff. If that's your guy, that's your guy. I just don't think Jared Goff is. I, I think this is what he is. This is as good as Jared Goff is. What, uh, what talents does Jared Goff have that make him a professional quarterback in the NFL? What do you think he has that makes him good? Is it his arm strength? Is it his acuity? Is it uh, uh, him calling plays? What, what makes him better than anybody else? What do you say? I, I have no idea. Well, I mean, look, I, I think Jared Goff is, is above average in reading a defense. I think he's above average in moving protection around to find the right guy. I think he's below average on, on throwing deep balls. Um, I, I think he's, I think he's an adequate quarterback. Like he is, you know, everybody always used to have this conversation about Matt Stafford when, when he was here and where he f- fell in the pecking order of, of quarterbacks in the NFL. And the, and, and the idea that Matt Stafford was in the middle half and then you start moving them up into that that you know 15 to 10 range like that was a good spot for Matt Stafford while he was here and like i just don't like to me Jared Goff is below that Jared Goff is in the below you know average to below average quarterback in this league doesn't make him a bad quarterback just is what it is so yeah i think he's 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 above average in a, in a few important areas and then i think he's below average in a couple other Appreciate the call. I want to talk some Red Wings next as we continue on Sports Rep right here on WJR. Don't go anywhere. Now back to more Sports Rap. Presented by FanDuel. Download the FanDuel Sports app today. FanDuel, more ways to win. Here's Chris Renwick. All right, I want to talk about this, this Red Wing coaching search in just a second. Uh, but Mike Parsons, who's back at the studio, and, and he's he asked an interesting question during the break. And I, I'm interested to know what you think. And if you're tooling around or you got the, the radio going, well, you, you got the barbecue rolling, whatever it is, uh, and you want to weigh in, 800-859-0957, 800-859-0WJR. Um, Mike, I want, you, I want to set this up for you so you can, you can lay it out because I think it's an interesting question. Yeah, and the Western Conference Finals of the Stanley Cup playoffs, I mean, it, it looks like it's a foregone conclusion. The Avalanche are going to um, uh, advance to the finals. But let's go back to when this was 0-0. If you're a Wings fan, who are you rooting for less in the Western Conference Final? The Colorado Avalanche, our sworn blood enemy, or the Edmonton Oilers with uh, Ken Holland, our, our, our former GM, um, who's thriving somewhere else, and and a lot of people, a lot of Wings fan b- fans blame uh, for the mess we're in with with some of the contracts and moves he'd made. So let's go back to when this series was 0-0. Zero, zero. As a Wings fan, who would you be more salty uh, over winning this? Uh, would you be more upset to see the Avalanche 
advance to the Stanley Cup Finals, or would you be more upset to see the Oilers um, advance to the Stanley Cup Finals? All right, I got thoughts on this, Jason. I want you to go first. What, what, what are you? What are your thoughts? Okay. On well, uh, as as a, a, a younger a younger fan may say, uh, the Oilers. Um, as as uh, someone who's been around a little while, I would definitely say the Avalanche because those were just such blood feuds. Uh, the The Avalanche were so good back in the day. They had such the the series with the Red Wings were so good, and um, I think there's still uh, animosity there in my eyes. Anyway, I would say the Avalanche. Um, Michael, what 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 are your thoughts on this? Well, and I'm not just doing this for for radio. I think right now, um, the wound is fresher with Ken Holland than it is with the the Avalanche. I mean, um, th- that that rivalry hasn't really been a hot rivalry for a while, and that's just because the Wings haven't been good for a while. Um. So I think right now it would be Edmonton. Um, you know, ask me again after that. Uh, I don't know if it's a thirty for thirty or e sixty on the, yeah, the Detroit. E60. Re- yeah, the, on the Detroit versus Red Wings uh, rivalry that might restoke um, some animosity um, because I, I mean it was it was ugly and it was it was a hate filled rivalry. Go- goalies were fighting each other. Oh, it was great. Uh, so. Let, let, let me preface it by saying this because I think Jason was on to an interesting point. You said younger fans would would probably say Edmonton. And I think you're right. I, I think that that wound, as Michael said, is still fresh. And I think younger fans would would say, uh, it's 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 Kenny's fault that we're in the spot we're in, and we're glad he's gone, and we would rather see them get bounced uh, as opposed to the avalanche because of what he did to us, what he did to this franchise. I used to park at Greek town and take the people mover over to that God awful arena that I just miss so much. I just miss the Joe so much. I, I love that place. The, the place it. with the trough urinals you're talking yep, about the trough urinals and the, and the and red curtains going the red cur- those, those red <laughs> ratty curtains that have been around for 75 years. Um, I just, I loved every, I just, I love what a dump it was. Cause it just, it was just red wing hockey. It, was it really was a barn. It was, a, oh. yeah. I don't even know if it was a barn. It was a dump. It, that place was awful, but I loved it and I miss it dearly. Um, but I used to park at Greetown and take the people mover over. And I had been to a number of red wing avalanche games over the years. And when I was younger, so you're talking like, you know, like mid or early 2000s, like not long after all of that stuff happened, but still a few years removed. And there was a, there was somebody on the people mover with an avalanche Jersey. They were getting it. Like it was an uncomfortable ride for them and they were getting it the whole ride over. And then they would get in line to get into the stadium and they would be getting it in line. And it was a constant, not, it wasn't bad, but they were they were being verbally assaulted in in a nice sports way. Right, that takes some stones to do that. It's all, sure it, does, all, especially at that point. Right, it, it would almost be not quite uh, to the level of wearing a Michigan jersey in Columbus. Correct, not definitely not to that point. But yes, you're right. The, it, you it takes some some guts to do that. 
and after years went by and both teams kind of went the wrong direction, you know, especially post 2009, once you get into the, the 2010s, the, the team started going in a, in the wrong direction from, from kind of the, the pillars that they had been on in the last 10, 15 years. And you went and saw a wings avalanche game and it was different. People weren't razzing the, 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 the Colorado fans as much. There wasn't as much animosity and that rivalry fizzled. Um, with all of that said, it feels like if you lived through that, if you saw it, if you if you experienced the vitriol, if you went to any of those games, I think there's just something in that logo that that no matter how long how how much time has passed, you still have this like thing like in the back of your head that you really don't like them. You don't like those stupid maroon and navy colors. You just don't like it. Like there's something that stupid Bigfoot, and you start thinking about Joe Sackick and Peter Forsberg and 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 Patrick Watt. I you, you just don't. There's something there that you just. It's it's. You just, I was going to say that God, about man. the logo. There's certain logos in sports. For me, uh, it's uh, the Yankees logo. I hate seeing that one. Um, obviously the Ohio state logo and in hockey, it's, I've always felt that way about that. Although it's a, it's a cool logo. It, it is really a cool is. logo. It just, you just can't, it, it just, it, it just makes takes me back to a point where you're mm-hmm. like, Oh yeah, I remember this. I remember this. So yeah. for me, I, it's, 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 I, and look, Colorado's a great team. Like they got a, they got a really, really good team. Um, but, but for me, it's Colorado. Like I, I would rather see them lose. I'd rather see them get swept and get blown out, you know, five to nothing every game. You know what I now, do? Now, what about this? Oh, go ahead, Mike. Oh, I'm sorry, Jace. Go ahead. Uh, I, I'll let you ask your question. And well, I'll make well I was going to say the, the the Lightning are also, and I could imagine it'd be the Lightning and the Oilers in the Stanley Cup final. So now you got Holland and then you got Iserman's former team. I think you would root for, if I'm a Wings fan and I don't have my team in the playoffs, I am rooting for for Tampa because it, it's yep. it, you know it's you're you're hopeful it's a preview of what Stevie's building here. I think if you were to adopt a team, it would be them because the guy who built that is now at the helm of of the Red Wings. All right, I want to I want to talk about the coaching search real quick because there's a really interesting name that's out there, guy that doesn't have a gig, guy that has a really nice track record, uh, won a Stanley Cup in the last 10 years. Um, and I want to know what you think about this. Um, and there were a lot of names being thrown out, but, but for me, there is one that is really interesting. And I want to know if this moves the needle for you. Is Barry Trotz a guy that you would be excited about coaching this team? Now, let me give you a, a little bit of a background on Barry Trotz. Um, he was the head coach from 98 to 14 in Nashville. In those, what, eight, uh, 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 four, almost 14 years, 15 years. He had seven playoff appearances, took the Preds to their first playoff appearance in 2003 against Detroit, where they lost in the first round. They got bounced in the first round four consecutive years, 03, 05, 
06-07. Missed the playoffs in 08. Lost in the first round in 2009. And then lost in the second round back-to-back years in 10 and 11. And then didn't make the playoffs in his last couple of years in Nashville. Then in 14, got picked up by Washington. Lost in the second round against the Rangers. Lost in the second round against Pittsburgh in 15. Lost in the second round against Pittsburgh in 16. And then in 17, won a Stanley Cup with with the Caps. Uh, Again, four for four in postseason appearances, won a Stanley Cup in year four. Then he went to the Islanders in 18. Lost in the second round, lost in the conference finals, and then lost in the, in the conference finals again in, in 2020. So for as much um, success or maybe lack thereof, maybe you, you view it as that, won a Stanley Cup five years ago. So my question is, out of all the guys that are being mentioned, and there are some some really quality coaches that that could be getting a real shot here, is Barry Trotz somebody that moves the needle for you? Jason, I want I want to start with you. Is is that a guy that you would be happy with here? Yeah, oh, definitely. Definitely. He's a good defensive coach. He's he's got a history of winning. He's won uh, a Stanley Cup. Uh, I I would say definitely he would he'd move the needle for me. Michael yeah, um, I, I, at face value, he seems to be the guy who can kind of get you there, but not quite over the hump. I, I know he did win a uh, he did win a Stanley Cup with Washington, but I mean, if you look at that track record, I, I mean, it's extremely tough to win a Stanley Cup. I know I'm, I, I'm not breaking any news there, um, but except for you know this last season with the Islanders, he's he's had his teams up there. In, in the hunt. And, mm-hmm. I mean, obviously the wings aren't ready yet, um, but you put them in there on a, a you know, on a, on a somewhat long-term contract uh, with, with faith that Steve Eiserman is going to be able to build something like he built in Tampa. And, uh, yeah, I like that move. Um, I'm uh, intrigued by uh, Peter DeBoer. Um, mm-hmm. He took the <laughs> – I mean, he, he had the Golden Knights uh, expansion team um, in the Stanley Cup Finals, their first year, which that's something that's unheard of. So, those are to to me, those two guys are are the most uh, intriguing names out there. Yeah, and look uh, for me, Barry Trotz would be would be a really nice hire here. And, and again, he's fifty nine years old. Again, about how old like, Scotty Bowman was when he got here. Correct, and and there is like I mean, not really much of a comparison. But, but yes, I mean, you have that kind of veteran leader who's kind of done it all in the league at, from a head coaching perspective. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I, for, for me, it, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a name that's – I really like it. And, and you mentioned Scotty Bowman. He's third all-time in wins behind Scotty Bowman and Joe Quenville, who, by the way, is also available. But uh, – that's a, a different topic for a different show. Why Joe Quinville probably won't be hired. I think it's an interesting name. Lots of interesting names. And, and one thing I really like about this search, it seems like the due diligence is being taken more as we continue next. Now back to more sports wrap presented by FanDuel. Download the FanDuel sports app today. 
FanDuel, more ways to win. Here's Chris Renwick. All right, welcome back. Spin on golf coming your way at uh, 7.05. And the fellas are down at DGC. Uh, they are ready to roll. Uh, what's up, guys? How we doing? How you doing, pal? Uh, uh, Barry Trotz, is that somebody that would move a needle for you here in Detroit? I think so. Um, you know, the thing about Barry Trotz is, from the sound of it, um, he could have the pick of the litter right now. Yeah. Um, so that'll be interesting. Here's the one difference between the way that Steve Eiserman does things and the way things have done in the past. Uh, Chris, if anybody is out there right now saying that they have an inkling, uh, I don't think they're being honest. Steve keeps things so close to the <laughs> vest. We aren't going to hear about things. Now, uh, that's not to say if somebody like a guy that I respect a lot, Kevin Allen, mm-hmm. Kevin Allen said, uh, you know, John Tortorella was allegedly talked to. Um, if that happens, that's coming from John Tortorella. It's not coming sure. from Steve Eiserman. You know, I mean, that's the way that yep. Steve's operated. So we'll wait and see. You know, the one thing that I remind people is, you know, if you look at his hirings uh, down in Tampa, he went off that beaten path sure with did. both Guy Boucher and uh, obviously John Cooper. Cooper. So let's wait and see how that plays itself out. Um, M- Michael Parsons asked a really interesting question earlier. If, look, y- y- you reverse the series a little bit, reverse time, go back 0-0, zero, zero, uh, Edmonton and, and Colorado. From a from a from a Detroit fan perspective, I want you to put your fan hat on. All right. Who's the the team that you want to see lose the most? Is it the Avalanche because of the history, or is it Edmonton because of the Ken Holland connection? Who's who, who who's the team that you want to see lose the most? It's got to be Colorado, right? That's what I think. It's got to be. I okay. I'm biased. I really liked Ken Holland as a human being. I, mean, I agree. He is, he is such good, a good nice man. guy. Yep. Uh, did he really hurt this franchise by, you know, t- trying to hold on too long? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. This this rebuild is infinitely more difficult because of some of his actions over a couple of years. But it's got to be Colorado, right? I, that's what I say. I, I I told a story. I used to take the people mover over to the Joe from, from Greektown. And whenever you were going to an avalanche game uh, and somebody would be on the people mover wearing a, an avalanche sweater and they would just be getting it from everybody. It was a very uncomfortable uh, ride over to the, to the arena. But then that was, you know, the early 2000s. By 2010, 12, 14, 15, when you went to an avalanche game and somebody was on the people mover, nobody really cared. Yep. Everybody kept to themselves. Like the, the, the time had passed, but I think there's just something still about it that you, you kind of want to see them lose constantly. You know, you know what I think would really get that rivalry going? Not not quite to where it was, not quite to the hatred and animosity um, of the late 90s, but I think it would be a lot of fun and, and I think would probably get a lot of Wings fans back. If down the road we saw a Steve Eiserman versus Joe Sackick Stanley Cup Finals with their teams, I think that would just be a heck of a lot of fun to watch. You know what's funny about that, though? I will say this. There, I think if you 
if you asked Colorado fans, you know, which Red Wing did you not hate, they'd probably say Steve Eiserman because I, what do you hate about Steve Eiserman? Right. And and conversely, Joe Sackick is the most vanilla, <laughs> unassuming, yeah. non-quotable human being in the face <laughs> of the planet. You know what I mean? I mean, yep. there's, there's nothing there, you know? So it, it's funny that you say that, Mike, because it, it, at least for me personally, he was a guy. You, you, what do you hate about Joe Sackick? You know, you know what I mean. And you so, hated that he was good. Yeah, you hated yeah, that he was good. I, but, but there was nothing to. I don't. I don't know. There was nothing to. There was no vitriol there. Yeah, he's just. He's. He was the most vanilla human being ever. Well, and we he got, still is. We got to get D Mac and Claude Lemieux then in the uh, front offices yes. of those teams. Yeah, then. Yes. that would be. That would yes. be great. That would be. A, that would be. Everything would go well. Um. Uh. In the meantime, Mike Fay. Yes, sir. How are you? It's nice to see you. Good to see you. You look great. <laughs> um, the, the, the first LIV player list came out. Uh-huh. And look, we, we've covered it extensively on this show, and I know you guys have talked about it as well, so we don't need to rehash everything. But there were some really interesting names on there. First of all, I think the, the most unsurprising name on there was Sergio Garcia, mm-hmm. followed probably by Lee Westwood. We knew those guys were were gone. Uh, but Louis Oosthuizen goes. And the most surprising name on that list was Dustin Johnson. Right. Word is Dustin Johnson got a huge contract to play there in excess of like $125 million, which is, by the way, more than Tiger Woods has earned actually playing golf. I'm not talking about sponsorships, anything like that. Winnings from tournaments is more than Tiger Woods has won. Um, whether or not th- those reports are true or not, I don't know if it really matters. Bringing DJ over is a big deal because he is still one of the premier players on this tour. Um, so that was a huge get for that league. W- where do you think after this first round of players being announced. Where do you think this puts them? Where do you think this kind of situates the PGA? And and what do you think the actions of the PGA are going to be going forward? They're definitely going to have to take a look at this. But you look at DJ's situation. We were talking about on the way over, right? I mean, does he have to play the PGA Tour? No. Nope. Right? Nope. I mean, he doesn't have to. He is the son-in-law of the greatest hockey player of all time. He D- doesn't have to. DJ does not have that competitive fire necessarily. No. I think it's more of a dollars and cents thing for DJ. Um, sure. But I think most guys, the Rorys, the Jordan Speeds, mm-hmm. the, those, the, those really premier upper echelon players, those guys are trying to win and chase records in the PGA. They're trying to win Masters, and they're trying to win U.S. Opens, and they're trying to win Majors in the, at the at the PGA level. Right. That, that's where all of their records are. Everything mm-hmm. is there. It means a lot to them there. Um. So for DJ, I don't. It, I don't. Obviously, I don't think that's the issue. I think it's, it's a money be, thing. It's gonna be interesting to see who that final spot goes to, Chris. So we'll have to see. Uh, no doubt about it. Spin on golf coming your way next, fellas. Have a nice show. We'll talk to you next weekend. Thank you. Take care.